podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Hello everyone, this is uh, Naishad Gadani coming to you from Melbourne. I'm the founder of Your Career Down Under and I'm also the co-host of the world famous LinkedIn live show, uh, Career Care Package. And yes, KB, this is world famous, absolutely. There are, we, you know, we just did the statistics just, uh, you know, a couple of days back and we found out that our uh, until yesterday, our show has been viewed combined uh, with Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, probably around seventy-five thousand views. So that itself is a is is bit more than uh, you know what we anticipated or what we expected. So thank you everyone who's been tuning in and who's been watching this and asking questions and participating in this because that's what uh, this show is all about. Uh, and yes, uh, we will continue to to uh, come to your LinkedIn screen at least for next next more 50 episodes, and then we will see what do we want to do. Do we want to take this tool down to US, or do we want to do something else bigger? But we will. So at least until the mid of August, you will see us coming live to your LinkedIn screen. Uh, but for today, today we have got a fantastic guest and. Uh, you know, uh, Warren is here. Warren, uh, I know Warren. Uh, we met, uh, you know, a few years back at a careers event for only a few minutes, and I knew the work that he was engaged, uh, you know, at that time. And we then continued with our, uh, you know, LinkedIn discussions. And I saw, uh, uh, you know, post that he wrote popped up, and I said, that's, that's what I want to talk about now. You know, I, I think this is the time. To talk about this, uh, you know, uh, how do you really get your groove back? Uh, but before I start, before I invite Warren to to answer some of the questions, I want to introduce and uh, welcome Caroline Brown. Thanks, Nate. It's great to be here. I was just reflecting on when we first started. It was around um, uncertainty and and you know how to sort of what to think if you could think of anything at that time when the, the lockdown hit and the pandemic. I mean, it's still spreading in parts of the world, but in Australia, it seemed like everything could easily spiral out of control. And I know a lot of people felt like they were hit by a truck. Um, so that very first episode that we did, I think actually gave me a lot of reassurance talking to somebody who'd been through the cycles before. So yeah, it's been fantastic to do this show and um, give different perspectives on career management, finding a job, what does it all mean? Uh, and give you something to take away out of out of each of those. So fantastic to have you join us, Warren. Um, I read your article and had the same thought process as um, Nash and gotta to, got to have a chat to you around those themes because I think they're very, very relevant. And I think people are thinking about, you know, either bouncing back or I think like bouncing or, or bouncing forward, but there's a bounce rather than a, 
hopefully a flop in terms of where you want to go next. So Warren's article is around 11 questions to ask um, or to think about or reflect on or to enact in terms of um, bouncing back. So Warren, I, I reckon a great place to start is perhaps for you to give um, our audience a bit of a background about um, who you are and, and what you do as a starting point, and then we can dive into some of those those themes. Sure. Well, thanks again, Anisha, for having me on your program. It's a delight to be here. My background, at the moment I'm working in the careers and employability area with the University of Melbourne. So I'm basically looking after students' careers and they're coming to me for advice and uh, run workshops, uh, all been, of course, online in the last uh, couple of months. And um, But prior to that, I've had a strong, I guess, HR background, um, mainly um, working in the media industry, in the newspaper the media industry. I've worked for a large charity here in Australia. I've worked in the public transport sector. I've done a bit of consulting in outplacement and career transition for execs during the, the GFC, which was the, the last big worldwide um, problem we had. And I've done a small stint in the banking industry as well. So I've, I've kind of cut across a few sectors, but it's been a common thread to what I've been doing. It's mainly been in HR, learning and development, and now careers for the last five years. Mm, fantastic. So with your work, I mean, what really interested me about um, the article was, you know, that they were very sort of uh, insightful things to think about, but in terms of where to move on or how to move on from here. But what are you seeing with people um, in terms of, you know, how are people kind of processing what's happened with the pandemic and generally feeling about, you know, jobs and careers at the moment? Is there a theme that you've seen emerge? Yeah, well, the, the population I, I currently deal with are students. So I guess students can be of all ages um, as well. So we'll have the mid-career changes who particularly do courses like nursing and, mm -hmm. uh, and other things as well. But obviously uh, my main population would be a lot of international students. And, uh, and students sort of between that 18 to 25 age group. Uh, obviously, the international student has, uh, issue has been an interesting one because, um, as you're aware, many of those are relying on hospitality work and, and convenience stores and other things and, and directly have been affected by some of the job losses, particularly in the restaurant cafe sector. Um, but, of course, the supermarkets and then the, the Uber Eats and that sort of has been booming. So we've had some students actually been really getting into those sort of roles uh, with vengeance and mm. probably working very long hours in those roles, as many do. I found many students, uh, what sort of shocked me I was getting to the higher ed sector was to see that many students actually work overnight in libraries and, mm. um, you know, really doing it pretty tough compared to when I was at university. Mm. So I guess in a way, um, I guess, I mean, there's, there's the rational side of looking at it. I mean, I know from surveys, with the Australian Association of Graduate Employers at around, it's around a 50-50 split. I mean, 50% saying that they will continue their graduate programs and mm. another 50% sort of saying they're undecided. We don't know what's going to happen yet. So on that side of things, there's a bit of hope, depending on if you see the glass half full, half empty thing. Mm. But there is a bit of hope there that some organisations, I guess, learnt from the GFC that if you uh, retrench too many staff too quickly, it's harder to compete when things pick up again because they don't have the skills so, um, so back in the GFC days, I was actually dealing on the outplacement side with graduates from, say, Rio Tinto and large mining companies who it didn't even make it through their first six months of employment and mm. found themselves out of work, which I thought mm. sounds like a new graduate 
then I think yeah, up 12 months later, they were, they were picked up again. So mm. uh, I think this time, organized, some of the bigger organizations obviously can afford to have a few dollars in their pocket and ride through this and say, look, we'll, we'll recruit, but uh, we'll be ready for when the next, you know, when the, the economy picks up. Mm. It feels like, uh, yeah, you know, it does, there, there were some lessons learned, I guess, from, from last time around with, with the GFC and the, the shocks that, um, happened to that and it's interesting because mm. I think it is that you, people are sort of seeing you know the I, I like what you said about glass half full and glass half empty or, around you know what what's actually happening so yeah um so I guess um in terms of like bouncing back and thriving what if we had a look at um one of the first things that you wrote about in your article was around the importance of purpose and so uh, maybe just explore that a little bit about why purpose is important. Like, is it important to everyone? Does everybody need a purpose, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's so many different schools of thought when it comes to defining this word. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've been very interested in, I've read a few on that, I guess, over the years, and uh, it tends to, I mean, I guess if you take it all together, it comes back to that we all kind of have a purpose anyway, mm. and, and how we get it is anyone's guess and uh, if there are spiritual explanations for that there are other ways but you know it's a matter of detecting what that is and uh and, and so my questions are more about detecting what people already know rather than feeding them with any particular answers as such so mm -hmm. that's why the article was pretty much around reflective questions rather than here mm -hmm. is your top 10 um ways to, <laughs> <laughs> top 10. Ways <laughs> to move forward off you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But if I if I knew that answer, I, I you know I wouldn't I'd would be somewhere else, I guess. You know, you say you wouldn't be on our podcast, is that on our? In a different capacity, but uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but no, I mean it's really just I mean those those questions I put in my article were more about reflecting for me, in as much yeah. as anyone else reading it. And uh, but I, I have this idea. I mean, I, I think purpose is important. I mean, I've studied organizational purpose, obviously being in HR, and yeah. more recently, some of the work of Simon Sinek, who's got a great book, Starting With Why, um, talked about if, a, if an organization's purpose is clear, that, that's an attractor of, of candidates to mm -hmm. that organization. So, so when Stephen Jobs uh, started Apple, uh, he made it very clear that um, one of the purposes would be to, to question the status quo. That's what we're on about here. So mm -hmm. all the employees who wanted to join Apple are all about questioning the status quo so when they when they join that organization they know they're, they're making some change in the world mm. so it's not just about making phones or, or, or making technology as such it's a, it's a, it's a bigger purpose than that mm. I know um, even my local coffee shop I just think is a franchise um, their stated purpose on their website is to we're in the business of making people happy and we happen to do that by selling coffee mm. so it's just a different way of looking at it and I think even if, if you're a barista you know, and I know a lot of students I work with are serving coffees. It's not just a routine job. It's uh, you actually are able to make someone's day. You can have a discussion with them. You can put some purpose in their life by talking to them and, and including them in your world, just, even if it's just for a few moments. Mm. But, you know, um, I guess that, so what I'm getting at is that it, no matter how routine the job is, um, the, the, your purpose, if it's and your purpose is to me is mainly about serving somebody mm. in some or making a difference in the world. So asking the question, "Who do I serve?" Uh, mm. is a good place to start because it's very hard for someone to straight away say, "My purpose is." I mean, mm. I'm still detecting it, like anyway, I guess most other people. Mm. So, but I, but I, I certainly like the idea that you can 
bring your purpose into any job. It's not just a matter of having to look for this elusive dream job out there. It's something that you can do now in your current job, even if you don't like 80% of your job, if it's 5 or 10% that you can bring your purpose in to that job each day, you can make mm. a difference, then that that would you know give you some satisfaction and fulfillment. Mm. I think that uh, that reminds me of a story that I always share with people around, you know, two, two bricklayers building a temple or a mosque or a church. And the, the priest walks in and says, ask the bricklayer, what is he doing? And he said, I'm just laying bricks and turns around and asks the other bricklayer, what are you doing? And he says, I'm building a temple. And that's mm -hmm. the difference between uh you know be, be giving the purpose to the act that you are doing and sometimes i think it's also a deliberate act of giving a meaning to something uh which yeah. which uh, you know gives you a bit of you know happiness a bit of um, you know uh, you know motivation to to continue to do your work so i mm -hmm. i i can so relate to that uh, you know that idea of finding you don't have to dig deeper i think you can start with very very simple things, uh, you know, as we were talking to Michelle yesterday on our branding mm -hmm. session is that there's just too much focus on uh, or she mentioned about why police, you know, so you got to have a why and the why must be socially acceptable, acceptable by the community and it has to be about changing the world. It may not be, uh, you know, but I think everyone needs to find eventually i think you know you you anyway exhibit the purpose whether you say that or not through mm -hmm. your actions uh, you know through your dialogues through your interaction you're anyway exhibiting that purpose and you attract that kind of an audience naturally in this case we are you know probably looking at deliberate act of finding a purpose yeah okay. yeah, yeah absolutely i think by unconsciously, we, we will probably bring our purpose into our everyday and, and we just, by when I'm talking about articulating it, it's always difficult to put something into words because I think purpose is more, you know, I think even um, Simon Sinek talks about that. It's, it is a kind of a three parts of the brain and I think it's the limbic system, which is the emotionality. He said purpose is kind of in that area and when you transfer it into language, then it, it becomes lesser than perhaps what your real purpose is. So it's a sort of a translation, yeah. it's quite different. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? It I, is. I, I guess I was reflecting on what, you know, about having a higher, trying to link into something more higher and more meaningful in what you do. And, you know, I know we were talking about what we did um, post what we do now before we got on, came on the show. But, you know, when I was working in, in corporate HR, I then moved into a market research role which had no end point, like there was no mean, there was no purpose for the work. I was actually depressed. And I didn't recognise it at the time, but I really could see nothing in that environment that was for me or, and, and because I think that fundamental um, purpose is missing. And, and I guess that sort of felt sense, that emotional sense is, you know, you can feel it when it's, when it's not there. It's, yeah. um, you know, your legs feel a little heavier as you're going to work and you get the Monday-itis and you, yeah, all, yeah. all of the rest around that. So, well, yeah. I've, I've made I've made the decision in my life. I like most most people. There's a, there, are, there are times in your life where you chase the money. So I've certainly mm -hmm. done that in, in HR. You, you know, as you know, the roles are, pay pay quite well when you go up the, the ranks. And uh, and I chased the money for a while, but I felt myself just not getting uh, the satisfaction or fulfilment in mm -hmm. those roles I really wanted to to get. And, uh, and you know, so the higher you go in an organisation, you no matter what it is, to some extent, 
playing a political game. And mm. that can be quite energy, you know, the energy just drains from you at the end of the day, unless you're really enjoying what you're doing, mm. uh, can be quite challenging. So I made some deliberate career moves on that basis. And some of my career moves have been forced on me too. I mean, we've, I've had some redundancies as well. So mm. that's, that's an also a time when you can reflect. And I'm, I'm sure in the next few months, there will be people being offered redundancies now through COVID-19 as we're kind of hearing different differing reports right now about the, the economic pickup and how long mm. and how slow it might be. But these things tend to lag. I mean, with GFC, we were still seeing job losses to about a couple of years after it all happened. So mm. there can be a bit of a lag with this that we maybe not be seeing now. I, mean, I know the economists will have their theories on when all this will happen, but no, no doubt there will be job losses. And yeah. there'll be, um, for people who are good at listening and have empathy with others, no matter, you don't have to be in his role like myself, but just helping friends and uh, neighbours and uh, and family members who are going through a crisis, just to be with them and understand and just be empathising with what mm -hmm. they're going through. Because it can be a uh, self-destroying, in the first, particularly the first, even the second, third time it happens, it's it's still like the first time, even on the third occasion, mm -hmm. uh, where you can feel quite lost and you feel quite alone, even though there's lots of people around the world going through COVID-19. But I don't know about you, but I still feel that I'm alone here in this situation mm -hmm. and... Uh, I can't yeah. understand how everyone else would be working through this, even though I talk mm. to people working from home like you do. But it's, uh, I think we're all experiencing it in our own ways. Yeah, um, definitely. And it's yeah. funny around the redundancy thing. I, I can't remember who we had on the show. It might have been TJ, and she was saying that mm. she'd actually had three, and for every time it was completely different depending on, yes. you know, what was going, going on in her life as well. Yes. But I think also... Like, again, you know, I like the way that you phrased your questions about around being reflection questions and, you know, you don't need to, I think I put, you know, 10, 11 things you can do right now in our title, but you don't need to do those things right now. It's, it's um, you know, you don't have to grasp onto the immediate answer. You can spend some time and, and reflect and, you know, um, sit on the mountain if you need to um, at this point as well. So, yeah, yeah. I think so. I'd certainly hope people don't use the questions as a way of getting a quick answer. Um, yeah. If, if, fine. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> Come join <laughs> us. <laughs> For most people, the questions in that article are quite quite profound and quite quite large, mm -hmm. and uh, it's something. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd expect you know, during a whole lifetime, perhaps uh, people look at those at, at various times. Uh, it's an article I could have written pre-COVID. I uh, just happened to write it you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And this came to my mind, but uh, but you know, I think people, as I say, detecting their purpose. Going back to that, I, I read a story just recently where uh, there was a person by the name of Doris Van Kappelhoff, who, in the early 1940s, she had planned to be a dancer, and all of a sudden she had a serious car accident, and that car accident forced her uh, into into hospital and into her home bed for many many months. And of course, in those days, it wasn't television, so there was only radio. She could only listen to radio, and she kept hearing um, the female vocalists on the radio. And then she started singing along to the songs that she heard on the radio. And then she got to the point where her voice was so good that she was. Uh, she went along to a movie studio, and they asked her to play a part where you would actually sing uh, in the role. And uh, then she changed her name, and she's one of the most famous people in the world. You'll know it as soon as I mention it. She changed her name to Doris Day. Ah. So, <laughs> so, so an accidental career change, forced on by a car accident, uh, had yeah. made her reflect and, and, and you know, 
build her strengths in singing that she otherwise didn't have because she originally wanted to be a dancer. So, yeah. so as I say, life life doesn't always go to plan. Your yeah. your purpose might come out in a, I mean, it's a horrid situation. You know, car accident can be a horrid situation to be in, but there can be downsides in your life that I found myself that where you can actually. Uh, force you to reflect on things that you may not have thought about and, and get you to think about developing skills that you may not have originally thought you had. Yeah. And that's what I think COVID-19 is about. I think some people are fortunate to be able to do a bit more of that now, uh, mm. particularly those who have some time to reflect in, on those sort of things. I mean, I find myself, I'm working from home, I still don't have that maybe the reflection time I'd like to, but there are times when I do. And I think... Um, I mean, I just saw a survey recently, I think it was Ng, Ng put a survey out that a huge percentage of people have been contemplating a career change during this mm. time. So at least the thinking is going on whether people actually go ahead and do it. But they're mm. now thinking, is this the kind of thing I want to do? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. I think the next question that you talk about is uh, the projects uh, that you are really passionate about. Now, obviously, passion is another word that is being used and overused and overused and overused by many motivational speakers and obviously yeah. in the context of career also which is you know in particularly used what are your when, when you say what are the projects that you're passionate about can you can you plus you know if you can sort of you know give your definition of passion uh yeah. you know and projects as well so what do you mean by that yeah I, that's right i mean passion passion is a huge word and it's um something that's more about now I mean, with students particularly there's uh there's a view that you now some of the work one of the worst things you might ask a student now is what is your passion because they they don't know and if they don't know they feel inadequate about that and they feel like they haven't done the, the, the pre-work so it's more about passion now being discovered through experiences for students particularly so i say look you will try different things in your life you will do part-time casual work volunteer work uh, at a charity while you're studying and then, then you'll discover your talents from those projects that you're working on. So, so what I mean by pro the projects is, is to find the kind of things that you enjoy doing and then fill your, fill your bag with those things until you start building up your bag with, with a whole lot of things that you really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, so I always encourage particularly students to try, uh, try an internship that they might not have originally thought about just to try something different. If they don't like it, it's not going to be the end of the world because most students have another chance to, to do another internship or some part-time or casual work. But uh, but passion develops through experience, I think. That's my definition rather than you know what your passion is straight away because it really develops through experience, I think. And that's the same with all this. Yeah. yeah. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because, we again, we're reflecting on another show that we do with somebody said there was a clue in her childhood but I think we all have a lot of clues in our childhood and it's only when that kind of gets demonstrated in something else that you go oh actually I did enjoy that and it makes more sense um along yeah. the way so yeah. yeah um yeah absolutely childhood's an interesting thing because I remember my, my cousin working at a power station and I think I remember at about six or seven, I said, oh, I'd love to work in a power station, but that's the last place I'd like to work in now. <laughs> um, that's not your next move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. I think um, there, maybe there are glimpses in childhood where you can look back and say, look, I really wanted to do something like that. And, uh, mm. and uh, you know, I think it's everyday things. I always say, look, if, what, if you're in a bookstore, what section do you gravitate towards? What, mm. what thing do you pick up? That might give you some clues as to what your, your passions are as well, you know. Mm. Mm. 
having a vision because that was a big sort of headline on your article about, um, you know, how how important is it to have or understand what your vision is for your, for your career and how could you go about doing that? Yeah, and again, there's many schools have thought uh, about this as well. There's one particular uh, organisation, I think, in the US. It's called um, Take Five. It used to be the original Five O'Clock Club, which you might you might have heard about. And yeah, um, and they they were originally like an outplacement service, and they encouraged their candidates who are looking for for roles to to think about, I think something like a fifty year plan. Um, which I found amazing, but then I really thought about it, and I think it's, at least it stretches you to think very, mm. very far into the future and then work back from there to sort of to align what your next step might be and to see how mm. it fits into that 50-year plan. Mm. And then the other one of the other exercises they advocated was to write seven stories about things that have happened in your life and look for common threads in those stories as well. So then that might give you clues as to what things you gravitate towards in those as well. But there's really good exercises they they uh, came up with at the time, which I've never forgotten. And because um, I, I did read a lot of their material at the time. And, uh, but it gets you thinking about those. But there are some organisations, as you're probably aware, in being in the HR field, that, you know, Toyota, I think, also has a 50-year plan. Um, mm. they're, they're the number one car company now, so they must be doing something right. So mm. uh, the Japanese have always traditionally had a very long-term, I guess most Asian cultures probably have a longer-term view than, than traditionally the Western cultures who are a bit more short-term in their thinking. Mm. So I guess I'm encouraging people, at least with talking about vision, is to maybe paint the picture of what kind of environment you might like to be working in, who are the kind of people that are around you when you when you visualise that environment, and, um, and think about what kind of salary you might want to earn, what kind of benefits you're looking for, uh, as a way of, it's like painting a picture, if you like, as, as a vision. Mm. So, so at least your mind is sort of visioning where you might go to. And I think there's some psychological studies that show once you have a vision, it creates tension, tension, and then that your mind then starts moving towards that vision you've created. Mm. I think I think the word's been used, affirmation is one, maybe one way of looking at that. Once you set an affirmation, you, you state it in such a way that you've already achieved that, that vision. So mm. I am something rather than I will be is probably the key mm. to that. Yeah, we had um, the bucket list guy on and talking about, um, you know, one of the things that they do is like you write something down. And did you say, Nation, it was like you have a 42% more chance of getting succeeding in that? So it's pretty radical. Yeah, and I, that, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, in fact, I, yeah, I've not, I, I need to go back and uh, and really, you know, do that. But I, I think I agree. I can probably, I can't show you, but I can show you some of the, uh, you know, I, I create a list of the people that I wanted to go out to know on my podcast, and the list is there uh, in front of me probably for one year. And I was just checking just yesterday, and I was mentally ticking them off. Uh, half of that list is right now we have done the LinkedIn Live with. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, it's I'm I'm not suggesting that that's the only only thing that that drove me to invite them, but if I did not write down that I don't have. A way to go back and check but mm -hmm. i believe that the act of writing itself is is like you're giving a promise mm -hmm. that's how i see that mm -hmm. uh, you know i was talking to someone and i said look you know give me five reasons why a mm -hmm. recruiter should return your phone call or the employer should give you a chance yeah. and he could only count two and i said you know why you can only count two because you have not written that 
you've not put the thoughts and thinking behind it you've not sat down and say i'm going to write down five reasons i'm going to scrap rewrite rewrite redraft talk to someone and then come with five i said that's what the the act of writing does because it it forces you to think mm. it it and i have seen that once i start to write you know it just mm. continues you just continue to build on what you write the first line the second line you continue to build on that that's how i see the yes. you know the act of writing or creating you know why a lot of lot of people believe in creating a vision board and absolutely know, i'm a great believer in that and some some people have those their goals written down in front of them on their screens on their refrigerators at home or in their cars whatever it might be but but the, the more you look at something yes it reinforces in your mind where where you want to head towards mm-hmm. and uh i think it was I think it was very as I was accredited to run a, a time management program which you might be familiar with the Franklin Covey first things first program is is really a good way of looking at uh, setting your setting your mission and long-term goals and and underlying that as a as a set of values that you choose for yourself first and I like the way um the the Franklin Covey course that sort of does that and then then puts that into a day-to-day situation but but a very strong believer in writing things down and to this day even with technology and you know the, all the gadgets you can write all your appointments and things in i still use a paper planner uh because i i like to have a pen in my hand each night and i reflect on the day and i like to try and work out what i'm going to put in on the next day aligned to try and try and visualize those larger goals so it's um, it's been a habit i've used for a long time since i was accredited to run the course for an organization i worked in i actually took it on board to try it myself and uh i found it quite invaluable it's uh, it's a great book i mean it's based on stephen covey's um book if you haven't if those who haven't read it maybe I think it's still available first things first uh time management and he he was of course the author of the seven habits of highly effective people which again had a profound influence on me too just just those habits he talked about and underlying principles that that don't change in your life i mean things other things change around you but if you have a core set of principles or values that you mm. that are always always going to be there you you can make this better it will give you a, a better um foundation to make decisions about things it's funny just the act of writing down and i don't know who who said it but that you know the act of crossing something off your list is really powerful yeah. as well because yeah. it's a sense of accomplishment and that momentum gives you motivation versus well i found it the other way around you get you get a bit of a adrenaline or whatever tight rush that moves you on onto the next thing one yeah. great question i heard was um what could you do today that would make everything else um unnecessary so what's that one big thing you could do today that you know if you got it done meant that all of the other little problems that might arise would not happen from that and i i ask myself that question quite often and sometimes i have an answer and sometimes i'm like i don't know so you know when that means something's missing in my um goal for the day or goal for my business or whatever but i i think it's a great question even the fact that you don't know is an answer in itself that you know you've yeah. got to start to to prioritize or think about something i think so i think yeah. so there, there are ways to you can force yourself to focus or you know external circumstances can can make you yeah. focus yeah. ways, you know i mean on, on another topic um, you know i've been reading some of the material that elizabeth kubler ross uh, wrote when she passed on many years ago but she had a um person who worked with her over the years called David Kessler and he sort of taken on further the work on grief and grieving but she mm-hmm. sort of referred to death as the final stage of growth um which yeah. is interesting by putting it but you know it's a topic no one wants to discuss obviously. yeah yeah uh, 
but but I guess if you're focused on that, I mean, she spoke to uh, people who are in their uh, deathbed, basically, you know, in in hospitals, uh, knowing they were going to die, and she realised there was quite a positive conversation going on about the once the acceptance stage had been reached, there was a quite a calmness with that person, and yeah. that calm sort of radiated throughout the hospital, and um, certainly influenced her life. Yeah. Look at the stages of grief, and then David Kessler, who worked with her, came came up with this sixth stage of grief, and he said it's really it's all about meaning. Meaning is the is really the after acceptance. It's meaning is the next step. Uh, to yeah. look at what meaning that person had in your life, and so if you know someone who's obviously passed on, um, yeah. think about what meaning, what did they contribute that that helped you? What maybe yeah. Attributes that you would take on into your life. So. But it's interesting, Reid, and um, there's, there's some good video with her on YouTube. One of her last interviews was uh, on her own deathbed. Um, in fact, it was done through Oprah. Oprah, if you look, if you Google Oprah Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you'll see the video. It goes for about 15 minutes, but it's her last interview. Um, yeah. A magnificent interview. Just just if you have some time, I'm well recommended. Mm. Yeah. We'll put that in the notes as well, Hanesh. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The next, next thing is uh, about connections. That am I making the right connections to help me step forward into the future? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I think you know obviously uh, in job search we keep talking about networking, um, you know not so much connection because connection is probably a, a more more profound way of of saying that because networking seems to be an act of you doing something and. Obviously, there are positive and there are negative connotations attached to the the phrase networking itself. Can you elaborate a bit bit on that? The connections that can help you to forward into the new future. Yes, yeah. Obviously, networking is a HR word. It's used a lot uh, in job hunting and so on. And I'm I'm pretty careful when I talk about networking with students because I know that many international students and they don't have the networks for starters, even the basic networks, let alone going any deeper than that. But I. I'm a great fan of uh, forging um, more connections. And I think for me, connection is, is at a deeper level than just the network. I can network is some, you can ask a question to someone very briefly, get an answer and move on. But there are people in your life, I think that, I, that for me, form part of what I call my connections. And they're people I can refer to throughout my life in some stage for, for particular reasons. Um, you don't have to be, I don't think any one person can meet every need you have, whether it's a partner or in a relationship, but but you can have a, a broad number of connections, I guess, in your um, advisory group, if you like, or your own advisory group, that you can have a deeper conversation with. So I've um, I've endeavoured to form connections um, where possible. I, I'm not a I'm more naturally a more introverted person, so I don't have a lot of um, you know I'm not a party goer, and I grab a connection every or sorry a network connection anytime you're in that situation, but. There are times when I don't know what it is. It might be at an unconscious level where you might gel with somebody and uh, you think that's the sort of person I'd like to connect with. And and uh, for me, it can be any age or stage. It doesn't have to be someone around your own age. Some of my people I have deepest connections with are, are students, quite young, and then some older people, much older than me too. So I think it's important to really look at that full span of, of your life. It doesn't, you know, get out of your own world, if you like, because I know students, particularly having on their social media, they, they form this little ecosystem of people that think alike and sound alike and, and have the same views they do. I'm, I'm stressing the importance of moving out of that at times and get into areas where people are quite different, have very different views, 
And I, for me, I found connections outside of areas I'd normally be looking at. So I might have attended a function which I probably didn't want to go to, but I found a connection there. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, uh, um, you know, that theory around you're the sum of five closest people that you hang around with. I Googled that a while back and came across David Burkus's book, Friend of a Friend, and talks yeah. about, you know, networking but also stepping out of your networking and finding correlations like people that can link the two networks um you know having some success in business and life and and that type of thing as well so yeah i think um if i stuck around with my uni friends i don't know where i'd be today so. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah well i've got a friend who did carpentry i think in a country town in victoria and uh he's seen so he's gone on to, he went on to you know did a tony robbins seminar and he's decided to work at the UN and he does a lot of training and development for managers around the world now. Mm. But when he goes back home to Maryborough, he finds he just can't relate to the people that are still still working in construction or whatever, the, uh, the friends he grew up with, because he kind of says their their world is kind of quite, you know, in this little space, which is fine. I'm not saying that's mm. good or bad if, they, if people want to do that. I don't think anyone should force anyone's values on anybody, but he kind mm. of sees that he, he doesn't have the same conversation um, mm. that he used to have when he was back in their age. So he's, mm. he's kind of, I think he's horizon to some extent, but that can be a good thing because he can bring back his his experiences to the people he grew up with at school and, and maybe share some of those as well. So mm. it's like the hero with a thousand faces, I think it was Joseph yeah. Campbell. Once you once you go through the around the world and you've faced all kind of adversity, you come back as a renewed person and you can then infect yeah. the community in a, in a good way um, yeah. with some, some of your wisdom, I guess, yeah. Indeed. Have we had any questions, Nish? Uh, yeah, we've we got a we got a couple of questions. One uh, Lahiri has asked, but I'm not too sure. So Lahiri, if you can rephrase the question so that it makes it easier for us to ask Warren. The other question is around: Is it correct to focus only on passion at this pandemic, uh, or should you be just moving along with opportunities that that comes by you rather than just focusing on passion so it's like balancing out whether do you you know focus on waiting for the right job to arise or do you take on a job that arise especially in the pandemic times what are your thoughts on that Warren yeah as I said before the the passion is a, is a loose loosely used word and it means different things to different people I'm not suggesting as I said before everyone needs a, is to know what their passion is or, or to to be a, a fully you know, fully fulfilled person at all. Um, you know, there, there's. I think people gain passion through hardships, through through downtime, through through very difficult experiences in their life. So, it's while passion is a very positive word, it's a very upbeat word. I think Tony Robbins uses it a lot. So that's why you're sort of imagining people who rush out on the stage and walk over walk over coals with bare feet. Are they the ones who have passion? I don't think so. No, I think I mean you take it at your own pace. And during COVID nineteen, I think. It, you don't be don't need to compare yourself with what other people are doing. You, I think that's in general in life. Once you start comparing, I think Desiderato says it's a fan, fantastic poem. As soon as you start comparing yourself with other people, there always there'll be greater and lesser persons than yourself. I think is one of the key key verses in there. Of course, there will be. So once you compare, you will always feel like you're short shortfall compared to the, the next greatest person you come across so so I, I'm, I'm a great believer in personal best you know you do the best you can with what you've got and uh and then you take it at your own pace so don't don't be pressured by 
other people's saying you should have your patient worked out or you know you should have it all fine it's um it's a lifelong i think it's a lifelong activity i think we're all of us learning day by day and we're all trying to find out what we're going to be when we leave when we grow up if you like you know? <laughs> What What do you reckon about luck? How much does luck play a part in people's careers? Is it what you do with the opportunity or, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I quoted, I often quote uh, Professor John Crumboltz, who's at Stanford. He came up with a a theory of career choice called planned happenstance. I love that one. Yeah, planned happenstance has an element of luck in it. So yeah. he actually studied people with changes and choices and found that many of them had suggested that they found their, their path by just happened to be a chance meeting with somebody they met in a supermarket or mm-hmm. it could be a fate or a stall, had a chance discussion which led to something else, which led to something else, which led them ultimately to a, a referral to someone who might have had a say in what their, uh, or in terms of hiring that person in their organisation. So mm-hmm. I think luck, how you see, like, I mean, it comes back to the sort of spiritual and religious views on serendipity, um, fate, you know, obviously uh, in, in India and other cultures, the, the word fate is used a bit, or karma to some mm. extent. So, so people have those some of those underlying views. But, I mean, it's a balance between understanding what that might mean for you, but also mm. knowing that um, luck is probably, to me, it's really, a, probably, you know, the old quote is preparation is an opportunity. Mm. I think that's what would be my definition of luck. That you don't know what's offer you a function but out of that arising out of that might be a person you might want to connect with you know it might be the person you do connect with rather than just a networking connection mm-hmm. in that sense. I've got a great story around that I guess it's sort of luck I'd love to start a trending hashtag on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever which is just hashtag just ask um, mm-hmm. so everybody that could Everybody that's open to giving people some career advice could have on their LinkedIn profile hashtag just ask. Yeah. Um, and it's a yeah, it's around that kind of luck thing because I, I quite a few years back I was I think it was not long after I left um, Amy and I was looking to write because I really like writing and I went along to a, a conference about lies in interviews and there was a guy that was called himself the human lie detector and he was an ex detective. Yes. Anyway, I sat down next to um, the editor of Career One and I just I introduced, just said hi and introduced myself. I didn't know who she was. And I recognised her voice. And after she, she said her name, I'm like, oh, you're Kate. I heard you on the radio yesterday. And I spoke to her for about a minute. There was nothing in that at all. And then I looked her up and found out that she was the editor at Career One. And I just reached out to her and said, it's great to meet you. Um, I'm actually looking to do some writing at the moment. I've got a background in HR and careers. And I found a great job out of that. Like there was no, it wasn't any harder than just going, I'll just, for something made me follow up in that way. And that opportunity led me to working on the Career One website where Kate used to get all of these Ask Kate emails Mm -hmm. about all of the career, any career issue or job issue under the sun, there are thousands of them. So yeah. I used to answer all of those emails and I used to joke that my name was uh, Ask Kate, Ask Carolyn to Google the answer. <laughs> and she, but it's a great story about, you know, just asking. And I feel yeah. like we should start a, start a movement around, you know, a bit of create your own luck about, you know, connecting you with the people that are, that are open as well. But Yes, it's yeah. funny, it's a small world because I, I too had a, 
was a relationship with Kate too. I was, I was working in News Corp uh, in the, you know, obviously Kate was working in News Corp uh, in Sydney, but her column was syndicated right throughout Australia. And uh, yeah, I do remember asking Kate, and she I actually submitted a few little stories and articles on the website. Mm. But, so, um, but uh, yeah, Kate's gone on and done some amazing things after after that. Mm. I think she's moved on from from Career One. Um, mm. But just also as a journalist, that she had she found a passion for helping others with their career. Yeah, she used to give such yeah. great, uh, like, common sense advice. Mm. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. So she had That's a head. Yeah. It was common sense, absolutely common sense. It was not theoretical. It was just yeah. as, as the readers would write in their real situations, she she yeah. would know and sort of be able to relate to those those situations quite well. So yes, yeah. yeah, so I, I haven't seen Kate for a while, but I um, if you see you see her, uh, say hello. It's, yeah, um, if, watching, if you're watching, hello, if you're watching the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring Kate on, actually. <laughs> Are you bringing Kate on, yeah? It's a funny thing. It was honestly like that job, it was only contract from time to time, but it was such yeah. an eye-opener. And yeah. I actually then got opportunities to write for The Australian for a few articles. Like it was just it just open doors. And, yeah, yes. Um, when I was at News Corp, But I, the stories I, about... Go on, go on. Uh, sorry, you. I was just going to say that he, from being on the other side and reading those emails that people would send in, some of the stories about the experiences yeah. of people in the workplace, it was it was a real eye opener. It was, oh, know, yeah. I'd never experienced it like that. But, yeah, it was, it was very raw. I think um, there was about bullying. It was about um, mm -hmm. you know getting forced out of the job through being performance yeah. men. There were some really yeah. real situations in those letters, and I think um, all part of the. You know, mm. uh, we see the, the saddest side of that where people are marched out of the building sometimes and for, for no fault of their own or their people are ganged mm. up for various reasons. So they're very, people have a lot of traumatic memories of their employment, unfortunately, and mm. it, it, can be, it can stick in your mind sometimes, particularly for those who have been mistreated at work. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's a difficult one, particularly in a climate where their jobs are not plentiful, you know, where the mm. power, power shifts between the management. I get uh, the manager seems perceived to have a, a greater level of power in a situation like this, but don't don't ever let that you know. I, I think for those watching, uh, try try to be self empowered in as much as you can, no. yeah, and, uh, and, and stay stay on top of that because that can wear you down pretty quickly. And I've I've probably been through similar situations, seen other employees through those situations as well. But mm. uh, yeah, and I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. All right. So that brings us to the end because we got, uh, you know, close to three quarters and an hour. I think it's fascinating discussion. We could continue to talk, but we will leave uh, the the blog that uh, Warren has penned on ethical jobs. We'll leave them in the comments. So please go ahead and read the blog. And as as Caroline and Warren mentioned, they are reflective questions rather than directive questions. So engage into this. I think that's. That's one of the things that I have become very, you know, advocate of. That is to is to engage in the question. Don't 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 worry about coming up with the right answer because there are none. Uh, you know, and those answers are for you. It's not for anyone else to to be worried about or to be concerned about. You know, and me, K uh, Caroline, and Warren are available. If you've got any other questions, please reach out to Warren. Warren posts really good, thought-provoking, and insightful articles and blogs you know please go ahead and connect with him so warren once again thank you very much uh, for coming on our linkedin live
Thanks indeed, Nashad. It's been great. We must catch up again soon when we can get a physical coffee again. And same with you, Carolyn. Great, great to meet you yeah, for the first time. Yeah, you too. Uh, you're both yeah. doing great work, and I, I really applaud this, this program. I'm sure you're helping lots of people you won't hear about as well. And normally the people you hear about is only a small percentage of the people you're actually helping. So I yeah. certainly commend this, and I'll certainly be recommending uh, further episodes to my, my connections, not as distinct from my network. And... Uh, <laughs> and I'll and I'll certainly uh, make sure that that's the case. So thanks again. I really appreciate today. It's been great fun. Yeah, Thank it's you. been wonderful to have, have you on. So um, yeah, tomorrow we're doing Ask Us Anything, aren't we, Nish? It's Friday. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, I was just thinking with that, it'd be great to hear from people about also what you'd like us to present on this show as well, because we've come from what we think is important a lot of the time, but. You know, if you've got a curiosity about a specific topic um, that we can get a, a presenter in and, you know, get you in again, Warren, because I think we covered about four of your points in, the, in this discussion. So, um, I'd love to help anyway again in the future. Sorry? I'd love to help out anyway in the future by any means, yeah. Excellent. Um, I'll put the career care uh, link to sign up to the, the uh, mailing list in the comments and... Um, yeah, we'll see you all tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Excellent, everyone. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Bye. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www yourcareerdownunder.com.au and if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic please reach out to us we would love to do that until next time be well